and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith, and we're on episode 199. If you've been listening for a while, you know just how excited I am to see that 200 mark coming up. And hey, we're really, really close. And I'm recording right before the end of 2022. This podcast drops. Let's see. It technically uh, drops uh, the night of January 1st, but officially I drop that Monday morning. I've learned to drop it a little extra early in order to give some time to get some of the details in the backside taken care of. And, and as we are closing out this second hundred of the podcast, we're going to end this section on a topic that I think probably all of us will get fired up about. And that's why I entitled it Beware of the Backstabbers. You know, sometimes on this podcast, I I go to some sort of dictionary and I look up what a word means. But I can't fathom. There is one person listening to the sound of my voice who doesn't know what a backstabber is. Sadly, more than likely, the majority of us have been guilty of the crime ourselves. Now, we can see it in others, and we get livid, and understandably so, because it's, it's just harmful. There's nothing healthy about it. But I think we also struggle with the temptation as well. You know, how our lives would be different, including my own, if when I was ready to pick up that knife, not a physical one, but an emotional one, a verbal one, if I would imagine that that person was walking into the room, I think for sure our mouths would close a whole lot more than they do already. As we've been walking through the life of King David, we're going to find what is a recurring theme because this is not the last time that he has somebody going behind his back. It's not even the last time he has one of his sons going behind his back. For those of you who have been on this podcast for a while, you've heard me say at this point in the kingdom of Israel, David's personal life, you know, is dysfunction with a capital D. He, he did this to himself. I mean, he married multiple ladies and then has the lesser wives, the concubines. So he's got all these kids and it's just nothing healthy about it. We were talking last week about whether he should have reconciled with Absalom. So we've kind of been on the Absalom David relationship kick for a couple of weeks and we're not finished. So first, Absalom kills Amnon, David's eldest son at the time. 
And then Absalom runs off. And for two years, Absalom is away from Jerusalem in hiding. And Joab, commander of David's army, also his nephew, comes to, well, sends somebody to David to get his attention and say, hey, I know you want Absalom back. I know that you long for him. And David decides Absalom can come back. He can come back to Jerusalem. He can go to his own house, but I don't want to see him. And I never want to see him again. And we talked that week about boundaries. And, and I told you that I, I didn't want to say one direction or another whether David's boundary with Absalom was correct because we're outsiders and we don't know all the details. But then we talked last week about the difference between forgiveness, which is a biblical command, as opposed to reconciliation that does not always happen. And nor should it, because sometimes reconciliation with someone who is unhealthy is not going to be a good and godly thing. David chose to reconcile with Absalom. And boy, oh boy, is David going to reap what he has sown. And yet, even if he hadn't reconciled with Absalom... I have a feeling that Absalom would have still done as much, if not more, because Absalom obviously has an evil spirit inside of him, and he wants the throne. One of the things about Absalom, as looking at how long he waited until he killed Amnon, he waited two years. He, he just plotted and, and waited. And we're going to see that same characteristic in Absalom this week. There's not much that I think we should learn from Absalom. But if we can learn one positive thing from Absalom, it is the benefit of being patient and following through with a plan. Now, his plans were not good plans, but he definitely had a stick to so we're in 2 Samuel 15. We're just going to do verses 1 through 12 this week with the highlights on verse 6, verses 10 through 12. So let's jump into this. After this, so that's the, the this we're talking about is when David allowed Absalom to come back into his presence. So after this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, You're really, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. After four years, I told you he is patient. And in the, in the Hebrew, it says 40 years. But I think the four years makes more sense. Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron and, and to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. 
And while your servant was at Geshur in Aram, I promised to sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message said, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent to Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon many others also joined Absalom and the conspiracy gained momentum. None of us should ever be like Absalom, but the only positive when he gets a plan in his mind, he works it and he is long suffering. He stays after it. The problem is he's staying after the wrong plan. (laughs) And this is just heartbreaking for me as I read the story to realize that this whole time David is clueless as to what's going on with Absalom and not only just what's going on in his own household in the fact that Absalom is his son, but in the country. He is so disconnected from the people that this entire rebellion, this conspiracy is happening and he has no idea. Flash forward to the very end of David's reign when he is choosing his heir apparent. He's going to have another son whose name begins with an A who is going to plot and plan. And if it not been for good advice from those around him, only God knows what would have happened when it came to the plans and how Israel would have been handled in that transition because David had no clue. It was just the plain fact that he had some people around him who were paying attention and were advising him and advising him correctly. At this time, David seems to have no one. And, And I wonder where Joab is, you know, looking back and thinking. So Joab is the one that was that knew the longings of David's heart and petitioned him to bring back Absalom. And then last week we talked about the fact that Absalom kept trying to get Joab to go to the king again. And Joab was trying to ignore him until Absalom sent some of his men to like burn a whole section of uh, Joab's property. And finally he listened to him. Absalom is just a mess. But you know, where is Joab during this time? And we're going to see Joab come back into the picture and maybe get an idea of why he's silent um, at this time. But in, in this lesson today, I want you to think about the application for yourself of taking some time to prayerfully assess each relationship in all of your circles. And what I mean by that 
you have people that are in your personal circle. You've got people in your family circle, more than likely. You've got people in your work circle. You've got people in your church circles. You've got people in your neighborhood circles. And there may be community circles that I, I don't even know to mention. And I think that as we look at this, we need to be diligent. First Peter 5, 8, the Apostle Peter encouraging believers saying, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that is still the same today. I mean, Satan has not given up the, I'm going to lie to them, trick them, do anything I can to get them off course. Because if they're tied up with earthly matters, they're not going to be making a heavenly difference. You know, the amount of time that David and his sons spent on pursuits that did not accomplish a heavenly purpose, they will stand account for that. Even David, the man after God's own heart, lost focus, lost focus for a long season of time in his pursuit of stronger kingdom from a human physical standpoint, from pursuing, definitely not pursuing godly family healthy relationships. And we see how his sons went by the wayside and just made up the rules as they came, like as they wanted to. We see it over and over again in his sons. And I I was thinking a few minutes ago about backstabbing. The last time I had someone who it was obvious that they were aiming for my back, it was one of those situations where I wasn't, I wasn't naive to the danger. So you've got backstabbers, some, who you have no idea what they're saying behind your back. I mean, because they are sweet as pudding to you in front of your face. But behind your back, they may be plotting and planning to get your job. They may be plotting and planning to get your husband. They may be plotting and planning a whole lot of things. But then there are backstabbers who, you know, they don't like you. And this person, it it was obvious, totally obvious that this person did not like me. But I did not know what lengths they would go to. And it was just by the grace of God that I, 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 now I'm thinking back, I don't even know for sure who told me. 
exactly what occurred. And sadly, I wasn't all that surprised. I was disappointed, but I wasn't that surprised because this was something that had already shown in their lack of character. For those of us who are Christ followers, that can never be the case. Like, we cannot be known for stabbing someone in the back. What does that do to our testimony? It really causes me to to think not only to prayerfully assess the relationships that I have right now. I don't know of anybody who is specifically trying to sabotage me in any area. But I need to ask the Lord to show me. Just to make sure. Because I don't want to be like David. And be comfortable and literally have a major conspiracy in the works. Now, I don't have the kingdom of Israel to be taken away from me. But I do have ministry that is entrusted to me that I should be stewarding. And as a result, I need God's wisdom. I need godly discernment to know so that I can be prepared. Back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so my prayer for you today is twofold. Number one, that God would give you a spirit of discernment to see if there is anyone in any of your circles that is being used of Satan, the roaring lion, seeking whom, seeking you to devour. And then the second part is if you have that temptation to be that backstabber, because there's no way that that matches up with the love of Christ. Are we going to get along with everybody all the time? Absolutely not. Read the Gospels. You will see that Jesus, at many turns, did not get along with the religious leaders, did not get along with the officials, and he was perfect. But as scripture says, we are to live at peace as much as it depends upon us. And we've got to be the one that stays the course, that lives for Christ, that loves like Christ, that seeks the wisdom that God promises. In the book of James, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God, because he gives to all. 
I ask that the Lord this very moment give you a spirit of discernment regarding each person around you. Well, that was not, I was not backstabbed. I was not, because otherwise I'd have been down. A whole little area of my bedroom went kaboom. And the moral of the story is, you just never know when something is going to fall. Hopefully, our relationships do not take a tumble like everything in that corner just did. Because it would make a much louder sound than my earthly tumbling if our testimonies were to fall. Thank you so much for tuning in. Starting next week, I am going to launch the Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus YouTube channel. The webcam should arrive within the next few days. And I can pretty much bet that I'm going to go ahead and start recording content for the channel. I will place the link in the upcoming show notes for episode 200 and beyond. Do remember we have Facebook group, Instagram, um, Twitter. Also have an email address, encouraging others in loving Jesus at gmail.com. And then in the show notes, we have the link to the hidden episodes. And by the time I, by the time you are able to listen to this podcast, I will have updated my Podbean site um, because I have to, because things are changing there. And so it'll have a new look, but that's where you can find the hidden episodes. And so as I sign off today, just want to remind you to remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>